Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everyone. Welcome to episode 365 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. Send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. We're going to be talking about new movies and old movies, Netflix movies, and Netflix movies, the ones you get in the mail. Remember Netflix, the actual... Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, getting receiving a red envelope in the mail. You now have joined the cult and, like me, are still <laughs> receiving the postage Netflix. Not the ones that are streaming, but the ones that actually show up in those little envelopes. Yeah, How do you feel sign about back that? up. I, it's, it's a nice reminder, right? You know, it's, uh, you get those and you open them up. It's like, ooh, it feels good. I use it as a way to get catalog titles because anything new you can pretty much find streaming somewhere. But a lot of that old stuff you still can't find. And, uh, it's there's all plenty shit, of new stuff, though. Yeah. I, and the old stuff you, comes and goes. Um, there's plenty of new stuff uh, that, uh, that you can't really find uh, streaming anywhere. And for your maiden package from this Netflix, which we, I'm sure you were a member back in the day, right? Oh, yeah. Before the... Yeah, exactly. So you re-signed up, and what did you get for your first uh, your first movie selection? What did you get? I got, I got Downhill, and I got The Ratchet. Out of those two, which do you prefer? Uh, um, well, Sounds they're like very different a... movies, but they're neither of them were were amazing. Are you glad you but got them both through very different. Netflix? Is what I'm asking. Uh, yeah. I'm As glad I watched them. I could have watched money. them streaming. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, definitely would rather uh, rent through here. I'm, up next, I've got Irresistible and uh, the Rhythm section coming. Oh. So I got to wind up, you know, stuff that I can't. Uh, it's a new Steve Carell one. The, um, yes, yes, yes. The yes. one uh, with what's his name? Uh, I was thinking for a second with uh, it's the John Stewart movie. You're talking right, about the John Stewart Steve movie. Carell. Yes. I thought for a second you were talking about the, the Jasper Gnome film. Uh, that nope. is just horrifying with Monica Belushi. I thought, why are you torturing yourself? Do not watch that film. <laughs> no, uh, but so you I do got, like... there, there's stuff like that, um, you know, on here on Netflix that uh, that's not available on streaming. Oh, well, and then. I'm waiting for Rogue. Rogue is the reason that I really got this because I really I want to see Rogue, but I don't want to pay for it. You know, I want to see Becky. I want to see um, uh, movies that aren't going to be uh, streaming so oh, much. The, the rental, something like that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could go down. I, I guess I could have, um, I could have just red boxed it, but unfortunately, that you got to drive. I don't want to drive, you know. I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. No, it's awfully well because you got to drive. You got to take it back. I'm not going in the smoke right now. It's fucking hazy outside. California's on fire. I'm not driving out there to get a red box that maybe has Corona on it. Let me turn the fucking thing. I'll get a disc. <laughs> yeah, that the return is what I don't like. <laughs> exactly. It's okay, I was it's never okay to good. go there, but then it's like. It's like a dollar every night or something. Dollar fifty now. What is that? Oh, whoever much. invented the late fee on on the videotape was fucking ingenious. I mean, whoever thought that <laughs> up? I don't know if that was Blockbuster or a mom and pop store, but uh, somebody should figure that out. That was well. Every advancement in technology is a, is a chance for you to lose money, right? You right. kind of rewind. Now you can charge people penalties for uh, for returning tapes that were not rewound once DVDs came out. But that was so weird. The phenomenon of renting a tape. 
And I mean, this is going to be a loss on people that are listening to this that aren't Mm -hmm. from the 80s and 90s. But renting a tape that wasn't rewound, it did feel less than, didn't it? It it kind of had a weird, like, oh, I got to rewind this and start it over as opposed to like queuing it up and going. There's a weird psychological thing with that. I wonder what that is. It felt like someone, uh, it felt like a dick in the face, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Like sloppy seconds. You felt a little like, you you felt a little abused at that point. Like, what? Who did this? But, you know, but you speak of late fees. I mean, obviously, you get rid of late fees once we started doing through the mail and streaming. So every every technological technological advancement in this, um, and at least it removes some further way of nickel and diming you, I guess. Well, it's funny that people don't understand that there was scarcity as well. You know, just because a movie was oh, sure. out doesn't mean you could obtain it. And then finding it and obtaining it was like a small little uh, endomorphin kickoff in your brain. You know, a little high that you'd get because you found a copy, and sometimes finding yeah, a copy was uh, a big deal in, in the video stores. Absolutely. So you know, you'd have to have yeah, a second, and third you, option. What will as you well. get tonight? You have ideas, but yeah, it might not work out. The stroll was so important because you could always find that rare copy hidden behind something else as well that somebody was trying to hide to come back yes, and get wasn't later. Wasn't that the best? You know. <laughs> Yeah, that was always like, um, oh, I'm looking at this I mean, shitty working, movie. Working I found at the latest release. And seeing that we had things in stock, but they weren't there was always like, mm, now you got to go find them, search who hid what where. Oh, it's the greatest Easter egg hunt of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the movies on tonight's show. We were talking about some horror films and things you got from Netflix. Let's talk about The Wretched, because this movie is intriguing to me for a couple of reasons. One is that it's ultra low budget horror. And I'm not usually into that, but this was released to drive in theaters at the height of the quarantine, and this was making some decent coin and kind of got maybe a little infamy for being uh, a surprise, modest success. And when I say modest, it's grossed, I believe, under $3 million, but all through or mostly through oh, drive-in runs. It. Yeah, there's not a lot of drive-ins as well, so we should be fair about that. Is there any validity to this, or they just happen to be right place, right time? I mean, is this movie... Worth a watch. Oh, right place, right time. Worth a watch, sure. If you like horror. It's a fun... Um, I, mean, I thought it was a fun horror movie. Um, but it is by the numbers, by the book. You know, there, There's nothing in this that is um, makes it a great or an amazing movie. Uh, but it's very good. It's solid, I'd say. Solid uh, horror movie that, quite honestly, playing at a drive-in makes a lot of sense. I think this would have been a lot of fun to watch at a drive-in. Okay, so right time, right place, and uh, right product. Yeah, I think more right time, right place, right product. Uh, there's not a lot that competes with this, but although in horror, um, streaming-wise, there is a lot. So I don't know. It fits in nicely with pretty much anything um, else out there. As I, you know, good but not great. I believe Ultimately, this is the is debut about film it. for the filmmakers. Do you think that they have a, a career? In front of them, or do you think that this is not well? Necessarily and, a great and that's tricky part? with something like this because it, uh, possibly, right? I mean, the coin could be um, heads up or, or tails up at this point. Um, they could, their next movie could be complete dog shit if given um, a Hollywood budget, right? Which is meaning every possibility. Yeah, I think um, the problem with that is that the, these guys, you know, who do make a, a break. Uh, doing the the low budget stuff and kind of make a name for themselves mm-hmm. uh, using the the genre to their advantage to to show some filmmaking technique. I think that they end up doing things like a like for instance like a, the Ring remake or something like that. You know, they're given some property that sure. really is dead well, to begin with. You can't I mean, this do much. This is a with. safe movie. Uh, you know, there's nothing in this that that just screams, "Oh, wow, the direction's amazing." You know, the the blocking, all of it's just straight cheap 80s 90s horror movie stuff you know 
Um, which is why I say it would work perfectly on a drive-in, right? Mm-hmm. It would work really well there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as expanding out from this, I don't, I have no idea. You know, this is just, it's a fine movie. It exists. Um, it's fine for a watch, but it is a bit, uh, ridiculous, you know, in the sense that it's just, uh, kid shows up, evil shows up, kid fights evil. You know, this happens, that happens. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. So nothing Um, surprised you in this film. No. And very easy. It's an easy watch. I should say nothing surprising. Nothing to get mad about. Nothing really to get super excited about. Uh, so it was just an easy watch. All right, let's move on and talk about the Netflix romantic comedy starring Rachel Lee Cook and Damon Wayans Jr. This is a relatively new release on Netflix. It seems like we're doing at least one Netflix original. They're in so many homes across the world that everybody seems to view these things. And I believe this was in the top 10 most viewed here in the United States for uh, a couple was of days it? at the minimum when it first dropped. And hmm. Uh, as I put this on, I, I mean, first of all, I gotta oh, say you, from wait a I, minute, did you watch this? Yes. Did I get you to watch Love Guaranteed? Yes, you did. Shut up. So I want to know: right. Are, are you right. giving this a positive review or are you negative on this film? Where, where do you stand on Love Guaranteed? Then I'll give Look, my critique. I uh, living in a family with women, I have seen many of the uh, lower grade, lower tier romantic comedy things. I think this is perfectly fine. Fits right into that. Um, I like Rachel Lake Hook, uh, especially, you know, uh, the older she gets, the more I seem to like her for whatever reason. Um, I think she's great in this. I, I love uh, Damon Wayans Jr. I think he's fine in this. It is literally something that would play on Hallmark. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand yeah. that. It literally, that's exactly, and that's exactly what it's going for, right? It's not trying to be, uh, it, it's, it's middle tier. It's middle ground, trying to be, uh, not necessarily everything to everyone, you know what I mean, but certainly not. It's not going to be offensive to anyone. That's the, the thing, point of it. So it's, yeah, I I think these are easy to watch for me. That's how I feel about these when I when I when I see these now. As I've been, I don't know, Clockwork Orange into watching this because I, you know, my mom, my sister would watch this kind of shit all the time when I was uh, go over there. So I I become accustomed to it, and I actually don't mind it. And I think it's kind of artsy in some way to make something that is just that just exists that is so bland that is not uh you know like it just doesn't do anything to you it just kind of makes you it, it, it makes you feel a little safe you know when you I watch mean, these artsy would be know. the last thing i would use to describe this movie but sure, the reason sure i was expecting a little bit more from this was that mark stephen johnson was the director who had done some real movies sure. you know back in the day mm-hmm. i think simon birch is a really underrated film of his and this just just kind of it's it's the lifetime hallmark comparison yes. is perfectly apt i didn't hate this movie because you can't hate this movie it's so uh it's just so gentle i mean there's nothing here that's going to arouse anybody from an afternoon slumber you could fall asleep in this and wake up and know exactly and where that's this is why going. i like these types of movies i like rachel lee cook my exposure to her is really she's all that and get carter i mean i really hadn't seen her I had, much yeah after i have that. to admit like i've seen uh, a couple things that she's done uh, or seen her here and there poking her head up but um the more i see of her i i saw something recently as well but i really do uh, like her a lot i think she someone give her a chance please i think she could do uh, some pretty good work yeah she's got a very um likable kind of attitude in this and, and her and wayans had they have chemistry and they're both there affable. are moments when you have when you laugh uh, right out loud at this movie just, it, just it, it, i mean was, here and there i mean there was for me and my dad we watched this and yeah exactly and there were moments when when the two of these people had such chemistry um, you know when they first went into the to the uh, 
lawyer's uh, uh, I didn't room like there the with, the, with the big I table thing. I, yeah, I, I like that scene, but, there but was I thought some, there the was meat something funny that they, they had in that, and, and was that was funny. I thought that the, if yes. you didn't, if you didn't see the end, I mean, not the ending, but if you didn't see the plot twist coming, you know, an hour before it came, I mean, week, shame on you. Week is um, oddly a good, a pretty good uh, explanation for a lot of what happens in the script, right? Yeah, it just it was contrived uh, to yeah. the point of it's being, a cookie cutter movie. It, but it's you know oddly, it's not offensive and. Um, if for a Netflix afternoon watch, I find it's, it's these not movies gonna, exactly at afternoon watch. And I safe. find them so easy to watch. You sit there, you have your your afternoon nap while you watch this movie. <laughs> Absolutely, Honestly, I'm being serious yeah. though. I no, really I think that they work for that. They really yeah. do put you at ease. You're just kind of like, eh, whatever. I know it's, it's going to happen. It's definitely something to watch on a rainy um, so Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Tell me about Downhill. This is the Will Ferrell, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Semi comedy, Siri comedy. I mean, this yeah, was this? marketed this a as a comedy, but is? tanked. I thought this was a comedy, but I know it's a very serious oh. themed movie, right? Bro, this is a drama. Really? I don't know who called this a comedy. Yeah, so I was confused. Um, it, this is not a bad movie, by the way. It, this is not a comedy. It's not a dark comedy, like a like a black comedy would be, like a envy or something like that. Maybe. I mean, if you want to push it, maybe. But I don't think it's um, funny enough. I think what it deals with and what it there are dramas that are that have moments of comedy in them, right? Well, the War of the Roses is a there's dark something, comedy, sure, and and that would and I would imagine. I mean, there's there's something you would call dramedy, something like that, which uh, which crosses the line or rides the line, so to speak. Um, and I think this falls pretty squarely into drama with some comedic moments. Uh, I mean, this guy, the the um, Will Ferrell character in this is just uh, a guy who's recently lost his father and is having a midlife crisis. And uh, there's a, an avalanche that happens, and he, instead of going to save his family, he runs from them. Yeah. Right? I knew that was the plot line, and that's why I thought that's, that's not, not only the seem plot, very funny. That's the entire movie, yeah. So it's not a funny movie. It's kind of a rough movie. And... Um, like Julia uh, Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell in this when they're fighting and they're having these dramatic moments and things, I thought it worked. I liked the movie, but I hated uh, that it wasn't a comedy. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like I feel like I was lied to, and the movie's interesting, uh, it really is. And I think that they do a good job of of whatever the hell it is that they're investigating or, or looking at in this. F- um, I won't say a failed marriage, but certainly a large bump in these in this couple's marriage. Uh, and so that's interesting. I don't know that it makes an entire movie. You know, so that's another hard thing. Luckily, it's only an hour and a half. But still. Well, we just talked about a I movie that was an afternoon watch. This sounds like the kind of movie that would have played on HBO and gotten its audience on and cable And it feels back like an HBO movie that tanked. Like, it feels like an HBO movie that would come out and would be forgotten about. You know, um, this is definitely something that uh, uh, Project Greenlight would produce. You know, if, if, if that makes sense, you know, something that, that, that you have some names behind, you think, oh, this will be good. They try to sell it to you and they sold it all wrong. And it's not at all what it what it should be. Um, uh, I don't I don't know what to say about this movie because it's not bad, but I'm telling you, I don't think the majority of people will enjoy watching this. Is that because of the I actors that are involved? Do you think it was miscast? I No, it's fantastically cast. The actors are great. I think the script in moments is great. As a whole movie, uh, I'm not even sure it's a movie. I'm not sure it's worth a movie. But scene-wise, uh, scene by scene, it's super interesting. 
Hmm. Um, as far as like an exercise, now if you want to see, it sounds like a mixed like review from exercise you. Exercise and it is because it's not. Yeah. It's like in the moment, in any given moment, uh, it's good. As a whole, they're really not that good. You know, I don't know how to explain that other than that. And I would say, um, unless you are interested in in, in film, uh, you know, as an artistic endeavor, in the sense of like. Uh, scene wise like if you can break something up like that I wouldn't watch this movie because I don't think entertainment wise this is worth it this absolutely bombed in the theater and I think that they have no idea what to do with this one Not way or surprising. another yeah yeah, and they, they may have found more success just releasing this straight to Amazon it reminds me um, you know what was uh, the, the Matt Damon movie where he gets shrunk um, oh the downsizing Downsizing. It's a lot like that where it's missold, you know, the, the whole idea isn't actually the idea that you're seeing. Right. Well, we've seen it's marketing like a, it's like a different movie latch onto this. And you got two people in uh, Dreyfus mm-hmm. and Farrell there who were really associated with comedic roles and Farrell. But more they're than, really good drama actors as well. Well, are I mean, most comedians, strangely y- enough? Yes. I mean, they're very powerful uh, yes, they when are. they turn on the drama thing. Even Dane Cook in Mr. Brooks is very surprising. Uh, to just name one, but so that doesn't surprise There's, me. What surprises me though is that they mm-hmm. couldn't actually show you that this was the, a, like a dramatic turn for both of them. Well, they had Put to it hide it during. from you. You know, these people have these emotional outbursts and, and huge fights during this movie, and uh, like you stop and listen and watch them as they do it. Did you, you know? ever see irreconcilable? So irreconcilable differences I can never say that word yes. right with uh, yes. Shelley Long and Ryan O'Neill back in the day and Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore when she's young that's one of my favorite movies about like a divorce in a relationship crumbling the, and that's um, dramatic and funny at the same time the George as well. Clooney one and um, what's her name uh, The Descendants was it uh, no 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 not the Hawaiian one um, the uh, um Yes, Intolerable Cruelty. That's got one of my favorite lines ever when Billy Bob Thornton's getting married and says, I love her like a son of a bitch. Yeah. I mean, that's got one of the <laughs> best lines to live around. I don't do it justice, obviously, but that's, that's a little a, that's known a or a, a passed over movie that I yeah, think in, people intolerable should. Intolerable Cruelty. Intolerable Cruelty, yeah. And yeah. Who is it? It's Michael Douglas. God, I can't remember anyone's name. It's uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones. Thank you. God. Yeah. And yeah, her the and brothers, Clooney. of course. Um, Cohen. Cohen Brothers. Yeah. Yes. God, That's, I think, about God. 2005, somewhere in that uh, range. I think they yes. made that one. Mid-2000, mid, mid somewhere in there. Yeah. Yes. It's it's overlooked. That uh, was like the it same is, um, time as Lady Killers, which I didn't ever care for. Lady Killers I didn't did. like so much. You know, Burn After Reading came out around-ish yeah, that time I was not a big well. fan and, of that one. Yeah, I thought that was okay. But again, yeah, I thought Intolerable Cruelty was the one that was overlooked. Yes, out of that bunch, I would agree. I've seen that one more times than a lot of other ones, including mm-hmm. No Country. I mean, I've seen Intolerable much more. Probably easier, easier to watch. watch. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's move on. Let me tell you a little bit about Bill and Ted Face the Music, or uh, Bill and Ted Three: The Long Awaited Sequel. You're gonna, I feel like you're going to ruin this for me. It's, <laughs> it's. I'm, I'm just, I'm glad I watched it at home because. It was a cheap rental compared to what I would have spent in the theater, and I would have walked away so disappointed because I'm bitterly disappointed at this sequel. I don't know what is going on with this movie, but it is cheap well, from the jump. It's yeah, production value. You're saying it's cheap production value wise. You're talking. It looks cheap. It, some of the some hmm. of the green screen effects. I mean, it looks it looks bad. Some stuff is on the level. Uh, the most entertaining 
two characters in this movie is a robot who is actually kind of nerdy and self-aware and, and makes it's mistakes. Not, is and, it the robot versions of them? Are they back? No, 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 oh. no. They're not back. It's a different robot hunting them. And uh, they're, I'm sorry, of death. William Sadler, who makes a very small appearance in this. They really touted him no. like he was going to be in this a lot. He's not He's in it? He's barely in this. Oh. He's barely in this, my man. It's oh, they so, fucked up. And this, this basically centers on their daughters, Bill and Ted's daughters and a failing marriage that they're in that is a subplot that's who are that's their daughters? talked about is that the, is, exactly is weaving no one of their kids no not it's current times they're their current age they're married to the princesses for, so they do honor the canon this movie is definitely canon it, it, it honors part one mm. and two it starts with mm-hmm. the flashback it lets you know that we're now in an alternate timeline the best way you could describe this is kind of a it's a it's a back to the future two where they're going all over the place and seeing alternate versions of them on if this didn't work and that didn't work they're doing group therapy with their wives because their marriage is falling apart because that's just what you want oh, in a fucking Jesus. Bill and Ted's comedy is to find out that they're in failing marriages and they're not emotionally available so that their wives are, are now weak? doing time are traveling characters like are they weak people in this do they, is they're, that part they're of it the like same, they have to try to find their manliness find versions of themselves that are uh-huh. a bit more aggressive and like addictive and like that are actually the most entertaining is like if the versions of themselves they find because certainly the the first two are in some ways commentaries on people of their generation i would like to see you know stoner ish even though they claim not to be stoners but 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 kids you know teenagers of that generation of of losers and whatnot who find their way irregardless of that kind of like wayne's world was was a similar thing of that is this as adults anything no. like that is this play no. and what's the this point is this? trying i i don't know who this is trying to appeal to and if, if it's everybody maybe that's the problem this is actually there is a whole subplot here where their daughters are traveling to to gather the greatest band ever and they gather uh i, I believe it's louis Why? armstrong jimmy oh. hendrix uh, Be, uh beethoven or Mo, i'm sorry mozart you're making and me cry when you think their daughters are doing it why aren't they doing it because they are i mean if you see the movie I don't want to give spoilers away, but like it's not Bill and Ted are a backseat in their own movie in a lot I, of ways. Oh. And this is why I'm, I I don't need this in a movie. This movie didn't need to exist. It's it's so weird because there's all this fandom. We we want things to exist in a certain way. And I know it can't be a we remake of revisit. the other ones. But I don't need these guys to start off from a point where their lives are so bad that their mm-hmm. wives want to leave, their daughters. Why do? Are, why is that? Why is that the sequelitis type uh, thing? Why do people do that? And it always fails hurt. when they do that. Why do they well, do that? It seems like they almost had contempt for the characters in Ghostbusters too. I mean, uh, yeah. How far right. back does this shit too, go? Yeah. Where they just where they start people off and just in the gutter, they just shit on them right in the beginning. Yeah, it's like, oh, that happy ending we showed you last time. And that's literally what they yeah, say. why do Remember they do we, that? This, they said, hey, part two ends like this. Bogus Journey ends like this. Actually, that never happened. This is why these guys are still in the dumps. And now their lives are even worse. And now they're Ugh. trying to correct it. But there's all these versions of them that could have gone this way and that way. There, There is a cute plot twist. And I say cute very... Eh. But this isn't a funny movie. There's no mm. reason for it to exist. I'm really surprised that Ed Solomon and Chris Matthews, who wrote the first two... Uh, have got that this is the script they wanted to do and that not only that it found funding and that Reeves and Winters I don't know what it is but I found them both really fucking obnoxious in this movie 
And I, I didn't really? like that. Yeah, I, I, their performances even. And I found the performance of the, the girl playing Keanu Reeves' daughter extremely annoying, obnoxious, and Which fucking irritating. I, she's, I'm not familiar with the actress. Is she actress. a blonde girl? No, she's a dark-haired no. girl. And okay, she's, she's doing one. a Keanu Reeves impersonation. Well, I love Samara Weaving, who I think is must be, must be uh, the other daughter. I'm not sure who she is, but whoever the actress is, I don't think she did a good job prefer- doing a, a bad well, Keanu Reeves impression so. uh, impression oh, circa God. 1988. This reminds me of a failed Kevin Smith movie. It's similar to that. Is it's that actually a great comparison. Like that? No, yeah. it's, it's very... I would even say that I enjoyed uh, Reboot, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot mm-hmm. much more than this because at least that had some edge. Is I mean, it, that actually, it, um, it sounds like that was more true to... Uh, the universe than this it was more, more immature in a lot of ways but it would at least it, it knew oh, that would be more true to the it, universe right? well, yeah exactly and it knew what its demographic was it wasn't trying to be mm-hmm. this uh this puppy that wants to be loved by everybody about, i'll ask you because i've heard someone else um, speak about this when they watched this movie about uh, a virtue signaling that they saw that they thought ah oh, this was going to go badly and then it, it self-corrected i don't i'm not sure exactly what that is okay. speaking of i didn't see that particularly i did so this see, isn't super this isn't woke in any way it's, we it's don't have woke. any of that in there or it's it's moderately woke in the yeah, fact right. that I mean, um i mean they they have daughters as opposed to sons i think that's nice i think that it's good that they are that's acknowledging not really woke. that you know what i well, mean i mean virtue signaling i'm, I'm speaking because I, I mean you pick up on these things really yeah, no, they bother you more say, than they do me but in general, I mean, like the last Terminator movie, right? Had that woke moment in it where it was obviously virtue signaling. I, I didn't find it to be that. I just found it to be uninspired, uh-huh. not funny, and cheap, to be honest with you. I was surprised at how cheap everything was in this whole thing. And that's from ideas to execution. That blows my mind. I mean, especially after you, you've seen the TV series. Yeah, I actually um, thought that the TV series was more entertaining. Like I hate series, to say that. So. And that is obviously cheap, um, right? And not for no fault of for whatever of whoever made it, you know. Just it is cheap. Watching this, uh, I really so, thought hmm. that Bad Boys Three nailed it. I, I just give that more and more Dude, credit Bad as Boys I see is these. Great, yeah. As I see for more real, of these really things is. that are trying that holds that, up. Yeah, I, I agree. That that felt a part of something. This feels like. Uh, a cash in. Yeah, this, no shit. If people had a problem with Ghostbusters it the remake. True to the characters. And it's break. funny. Yeah, carry on with those characters. It doesn't. For, it, in some sense, Bad Boys Three does try to to do a realignment, but the way that it does it with uh, with Martin um, makes sense. You know, and it keeps Will Smith on the other side of it. That movie. Works. I don't know. I think that's a brilliant movie. As far as yeah, as far as trying attempting to do this uh, type of stuff. I mean, they I thought don't, this was. Even more laborious than uh, the Last Men in Black movie, to be honest with you. I thought that was even. I didn't uh, mind that one so much because it wasn't because uh, it was different people. I guess. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. You know, it, it, I mean, if they had done that movie with <laughs> with Will Smith again, I probably would have been more pissed. I just this one was just so forgettable that I was really looking forward to. It. Maybe that's why I'm so that's harsh so on it because I, I really thought that this was going to be the first a fun two movie. So great. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're I, so and, fun and carefree in some way, and this doesn't sound... Uh, to get Winters and Reeves back on board with the original writers and mm-hmm. uh, Dean Parasol, who is a great director himself, I just thought, like, okay, you got all, everything lined up here to make something good, and this is what Let you come ask up you, with? I, I mean, because we're talking about um, redos here in some sense, uh, Did you, you have you seen the new Dune trailer? I have, yeah. So, with that as well, I feel like 
that's going to be a, a huge failure. Yeah, and I think it's obvious it's going to be a huge failure because it looks like everything else. I wasn't wowed by the wow. Dude, by it the, looks the like every other movie. Yeah, what, I, I, what is good about that movie? It looks like every other movie. I don't even know what, why, like, why should I give a shit about that? It literally looks like Matrix plus everything else after that. I just, I the story of Dune itself is not is that it. I've, I've really? listened I love, to the audio book like to get through the book because I couldn't I like get through the, the first one. The Lynch movie. I like the David Lynch one because I love because the David Lynch movie failure. because it, uh, exactly. But it is interesting. It is his own thing, and it attempts to live within its own universe. <laughs> this Dune thing, I look at this and I'm like, dude, this is Mortal Engines. This is every <laughs> fucking bullshit, yeah. goddamn piece of shit, fucking Matrix sequel nonsense bullshit that I've ever seen. You know, and sometimes they pull it off, you know, like David uh, Latch or Letich, um I think he kind of gets his own thing in there to some degree. You know what I mean? With with, with those types of action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but even those are I, you're, you're borderline. Just there's no art. There's, there's nothing artistic in this. This is well, when I saw that trailer, nonsense. And so I, I feel just like is that the same type of an issue, right though, with oh, yeah. but is that the same issue with this Bill and Ted thing? Is it just. Is it the studio process? Do you think they brought this to its knees? No, I think that this, because I, I don't think that there was much studio behind it. I think this is mostly independently oh, financed in a lot of ways. So, so I you think, this, really is think this is just a, a bad failure, concept. Yeah, just a failure uh, on a personal level. Of I think the story was not the, the story they should have told. And the I thought that I guess. this is everyone. It, the, <laughs> for how creative the first couple were, mm-hmm. this was such a. But one of it's the a gentle with, movie is the best thing I can say. It's very gentle. Sure. So if you want a, a family entertainment that's not going to ruffle any feathers, this is the right. thing. And that's weird to say about a stoner comedy, quote unquote, but they never show them actually getting high. But it's always been no, implied no, no. Well, they that said they were that kind they of don't. stoners. I mean, that's yeah. come out, right? So uh, yeah. it's, it's, I it's, it's like if they made a Wayne's World 3 and it sucked. And that's about my Oof. excitement well, level. Isn't that Wayne's World 2? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But at least they're not mean to the characters. Sure. I mean, when I think about like the studio um, issue in this, it's always a money thing um, in the sense of getting the ball rolling, right? How long has it taken to get a Bill and Ted's three uh, like rolling a decade, here? Like, right? no one wa- And the thing we've learned about studio films and about the reason that no one brings up that a movie sucks that you're making is that it is so difficult to get a green light that once you magically get that green light and the movie sucks, you don't say anything. You let it go. Unbelievable. They had to know this was shit. I'm sorry. And they of still course, like but it you wasn't. let it go because. When else are you going to get a Bill and Ted's three? Never. If this didn't happen here right now with this script and this, it, when would it have happened? Never. It, curiously, they haven't so announced sucks. any sort of uh, like pay per view buy rates either. Because I don't think this is doing that well. Oh, no, it can't be. It, I, I honestly don't think the trailer. Um, admittedly, the, the, um, the nostalgic aspect of it got me. But if I'm subjectively looking at the trailer, I don't think it looks all that great. It's, it looks cheap. Look, yeah. clearly look at it again. Let's move on. I'm just getting irritated talking mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> Let's talk about Class Action Park. And this is a documentary on HBO Max right now. I think it's an exclusive on there. And it, it, it chronicles mm-hmm. the most dangerous theme park in America that was in New Jersey, opened from the mid-70s to the mid-90s. And they made a movie about it, kind of a fictionalized version of it with Johnny Knoxville a couple of years ago called Action right. Park. The name of the documentary is called Class Action Park, kind of a pun on the amount of injuries that had taken places there in the lawsuits. I found this documentary absolutely fascinating. I, I thought it was amusing. I thought it was well done. I couldn't believe how much footage they had 
of the park, of, of incidents at the park, for a time when there was no cell phone cameras, and you know what I mean? Like, they had a lot of B-roll footage, and I thought this was just a fantastic documentary that gave me more nostalgia than anything in Bill and Ted's. What, what did you think of this documentary? <laughs> yeah, so this is, any a millennial, um, I, I suppose I would say, um, will understand this movie. I think anyone who, who grew up in the 80s or 90s gets this right yeah, it's about actually, personal actually, responsibility i would even say people older than this might understand this to some degree i don't think people in, in you know generation uh it's a latchkey be before thing. this i don't think they would yeah i don't think they would understand the the danger aspect of this but certainly uh gen y and even gen z kids to some degree i think would would totally get this and it, this is your childhood you didn't give a fuck like you did dangerous shit all the time we went out and ran around the neighborhood and uh hurt ourselves and ran up trees and all kinds of shit disappeared i, I mean i especially love the line of this movie where the guy says no matter where you were like at lunchtime like that's where you ate like that mother fed you that day you know yeah. what i mean like and that was fucking true like that was the neighborhood like you ran around with the kids where the fuck you were no one gave a shit no one was watching anyone uh, um the, just it was so to the guys free. recount working there it was like an 80s movie yes, he says i everyone. mean this, this thing is beautifully put together i think that the the actor is strangely they have some actors that it they're interviewing Chris, the people that i re- recognize in this is chris gethard who is a, a comedian guy and he's, he's in been a bunch of stuff but allison becker's also in this and she is in Parks and Rec and a bunch of stuff. And the weird thing to me about this is that they don't, they just act like they're normal people. But, but they did comedians. grow up in that area and they did go to that park they did, as but kids. Com- it feels to me, movies like this, I feel like documentaries like this, and I've seen a couple of them that do this, and it's a little disingenuous when I, you I are friends yeah. with people in the industry who have also experienced something and so you get them you know, in your movie and they're able to perform in such in a sense you know like obviously they are going to be on key they're going to know what the what you expect from the documentary what you expect them to deliver that being said um i 100 percent agree with everything that they said so fuck it I think, I think that when, when the one guy has a great line, then he says, basically, you know, if you see a kid at school and they'd have an injury and you go, yes. oh, you were at Action yes. Park or like, oh, yeah, I got this at Action. Like it was kind of a badge oh, of honor man. about what you did. Trading what weekend. you did over summer and shit. And yeah, over weekend exactly. That's how it used to be. You know, I, I don't know what it's like now, but I just uh, I've imagined it's not been like that for a long time. You know, I don't I, think I it just has so imagine the safe spaces that everyone, you know, uh, watch what kids do, everything. Just fucking let people run wild, please. It actually please. does create a calming influence as you get older because you've you've sowed those wild oats in a lot of ways. Yes, you, you've and, lived um, to some they, degree. They, this this does not shy away from the fact that this was a dangerous place. I mean, there's a lot of people that have negative opinions about this. Oh, there are people I love that lost the, their um, lives. I uh, love, people that got in a lot of fights there. I'm sure this place was a fucking out oh, of control in a lot of ways. Having the mom on there and say this guy is an asshole long before, great. Oh, long before, yeah, cutting into why she thinks that is a beautiful cut. Uh, that yes. is such a beautiful insertion there um, where they're talking about uh, this Mulvihill guy, right? Who, who, uh, that's who, wait. Yeah, yeah Mulvihill. That's who ran the park. Correct. He was the guy who the, the financer who had most yeah. of the crazy ideas, like the loop to loop fucking water slide. Right. And so and anyone who doesn't know anything about this is going to put him kind of up on a pedestal, so to speak, because he's running this crazy park and everyone's having so much fun there. Right. Uh, and of course, the mother of the kid who 
path who died there is going to think he's an asshole and think he's horrible. And I love the way they cut that together to where they don't give that away, but they just have her sit there and just say, he's an asshole. And they move on. They keep talking about this. Like the way this, this is cut. Um, it's fantastic. This is a great documentary. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you, if you want to watch, you know, Michael Moore makes good documentaries. They're not real. Documentaries aren't real for anyone. You know, that shouldn't blow anyone's mind. They're fucking scripted. They're made up. They aren't real. Um, this is a great example of that. It's a really good documentary. Yeah, I know. I can't <laughs> like this it. thing I is mean, constructed beautifully. I laughed multiple times in yes. this. The one thing I wish that they had dived into a little bit more, and they do touch upon it kind of slightly, is that Mulvihill did have some ties to the underworld. It seemed like getting things passed in, in the political that, arena. Of doing uh, that. I, I don't know if they they really wanted to get that deep with it, but I thought once again they put the amount of they did footage and he even they, admits to it so much. They have they do have him saying that so much. I, the footage I though of the, the the cliff jumps and the fucking headbangers ball that was there, the MTV stuff. I mean the, the nostalgia oh, factor the, of this is through mm-hmm. the fucking roof. I oh, just yes. wanted to watch more of this. I wanted to yeah. go to this park. I wanted to just it be felt around like the these 80s kids. and 90s, didn't it? Yeah, I it mean, really it did, and there was like a sense it, it felt of like fucking it. danger, and it, yes. it made it attractive to everybody that was there. <laughs> I, mean, I love when they were talking about like the what was it the Tarzan ropes or whatever, and everyone would be like pussy and all that shit and all that. That was hysterical because that is real. Yeah, absolutely. That's fucking real, especially in the eighties and nineties. Oh yes. 100%. I mean, I remember Good going Lord, to like yes. uh, the local theme park here and you know if if you bailed out on the law on the water slide, you know, people would just make fun oh, yeah. of you the whole fucking time or sure. shoot you with the goddamn guns. I mean, the thing is that theme parks yeah. in the 80s, uh, like that once somebody says in the beginning there that theme park the idea is to go there and to give you a thrill but you always know you're safe. And this park, wasn't, you didn't know if you were going to be safe or not. Wasn't that a coming great way that. that this that this uh, uh, entire documentary kind of transpires in front of your eyes cuz they give you the they kind of hit you in the face with the, the obvious shit. And then it continues, right? And then he, he's like, oh, but the rapids. Uh, everyone talks about these, but no one talks about this. And it like just continues. And the first half of this movie is only about one side of the park. And then they're like, yeah. oh, but then there's this other side. But you're like, holy shit. Like this thing. And then the motor world. Insane. And then the tanks that were shooting shit. At you. Yes. Look, absolutely I've- crazy. You know this because uh, you've known me for a long time. But I don't know people that listen to this know this, but I, I was at a theme park disaster. I saw uh, somebody die because of this. Like I was subpoenaed to be in a trial here in the uh-huh. Bay Area on a water slide that broke. And people, there was a bunch of kids. I was in this water park and they backed up the slide and the thing broke from the weight and people fell on top of each other. It was insane. I actually video recorded it and have video footage and that was uh, subpoenaed as well. I mean, you remember this story from back in the day. Right. This happened in the, the late 90s. The point of the story is that shit was insane. So I can't imagine where injuries like that happened all the time and people still went back knowing <laughs> that you most likely were going to get fucked up there. If not by yeah. another person, by maybe one of the rides you engaged in. And they looked like they knew that most of these things were clearly unsafe. I mean, yeah, some the of those stories, fucking, the water slide that ripped your fucking pants off I, yeah. or like shredded your shit and shot you in midair. And then there's like a three story drop in the water. Everywhere and all this shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to tell me you didn't look fun though. Oh, yes. I wanted to of go. Of course. 
That's me in the 80s, bro. That's me. That's everybody. That's every kid. I mean, I remember Seriously. my brother and my sister just doing random nonsense shit that's just too dangerous that I wouldn't even. There's no way I would do that shit Adventures, now. Or even, man. I would even, if I had a kid, I'd be like, get the fuck out of there. You're not doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is horrible. You shouldn't just not, you, you should not watch your kids. You know, it's what I got from this whole thing because that's what happened to me. Let them right? run. Just let them run. run. Well, I think, um, like I said, I thought this was a great documentary about personal responsibility. In 1980s and 90s, kids had personal responsibility. I don't think we should go into that. I think people should watch this because I think this is a super entertaining, incredibly constructed uh, documentary. Um, so, yeah, if your entertainment value is high for me, if you're interested in documentary filmmaking, I think this is a good one to watch. I agree. This is on HBO Max currently, and you can get that on any streaming device. I highly recommend it. So does Trevor. A new movie on Netflix. So this is a Charlie Kaufman written. I don't think he directed this. Did he direct this as well? He did. I don't, yes. did he, okay, so this is his directing debut, I believe, then. I don't think he's made anything else. Uh, actually, he did Amelie. Not Amelie. Um, the animated one, right? Like the stop motion with the little... Uh, Figurines. Remember that Ooh, film that came out a couple um, years ago? I think he directed that, did he not? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, um, yeah, I'm not sure now. But uh, I've, I thought I've this was fan. his first, I thought this was his directorial debut, but you might be right. I, I say I'm a Hold fan on. of Kaufman. Let me open this up. Oh, the no one, no one is like. a fan of Kaufman. Come on, I like being John Malkovich. Oh, I like adaptation. Oh, but really? I can't yeah, that's a good stand one. I yeah, can't I know. stand There's Eternal Sunshine. Coffin movies, but no one's a fan of Coffin because everyone's full of shit when they talk about Coffin. Because Coffin, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It to talk to anyone. You know, talk to some anyone who immediately says, like, "Oh, Coffin's my favorite." This and that, whatever. They're an elitist bullshit. I'll tell you that right now. Because Coffin is so base. He's so what Coffin does is he takes some a story. And he brings it to this high level nonsense. It just it seems insane to you or whatever. But at the base of it, it's just your basic themes, right? It's brilliant in, in many ways because it almost fakes you out in a way you think you're watching something smarter than it actually is. You know, and that's clearly very internal sunshine of the spotless mind. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, being John Malkovich, all of them. And they are really good. Those are great movies. Um, I'm not going to deny it. They're really good. But he's also made some kind of shit, you know, here and there. Um, I mean, to be fair, he's he wrote a couple of Ned and Stacy uh, television series uh, uh, episodes. And uh, <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I like Ned and Stacy, so. I don't even know what the fuck that show is, but it doesn't surprise me. He's right. How dare you not know what that is? Yeah, it's a show that's never Ned made Stacey? it. Is it's it a like Thomas a Hayden Church and Deborah Mason show. This is what I mean. This You're is like something that it. ran. No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. There's not <laughs> it enough ran hours for in two my life. Seasons. It's a fantastic yeah, show. This, <laughs> that thing ran for two seasons. I thought it didn't get picked up. <laughs> it's a horrible seasons? show, and that's why I like it. I like oh, horrible shit. In any case, back to the point. I'm thinking of ending things. Written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. This is unbearable. And it's Un- long. Fucking, it is so long. I, you have no idea. It's two hours and 14 minutes. This thing feels like four hours. Um, it, I thought this got to the point long before it just kept going. You know, it's about a... It's about a girl. I mean, it's not really. <laughs> it pains I, you to give us the plot. It pains me because the plot's not the plot, right? It's like a. This is like a David Lynch movie. Um, 
that has no point. If that That's makes any sense, like movie. it's fucking, it's it's horrible to watch this. But it's about a girl who's gonna break up with her boyfriend, right? I'm thinking of indie things, right? Um, uh, by the way, the acting's great in this. I, I will give them that. Which is this standout in all Kaufman movies because people act their asses off thinking that they're Pretty doing much. Uh, Shakespeare, current, you know. But go ahead. But yeah, the acting's great in this. Um, but uh, but the story, the base story, <laughs> is nothing special. <laughs> sounds like she's breaking up with her boyfriend, brought him to her parents' oh, house, bro, right? I don't even know if there is a story. This is this is a <laughs> David Lynchian movie that is. If you try to break this down, you go in eight hundred directions. Yeah. So there is there is thematic elements in this where you can say, okay, for sure, like if I disregard all this extra shit, like I can get something out of this. But there's no way in fuck uh, two pe- two people are watching this and and coming up with the same thing. It is just a, a bunch of nonsense, and it is d- d- to me these types of movies are made so that they're indecipherable. Like you can't come up with what the hell they mean and in, in, in that sense they're elitist nonsense right yeah well it reminds me of eyes wide and shut in a lot of ways when that came out yeah you know? but or Don, donnie dark no ah, but no those you can do those those work you can work those this is unworkable i'm telling you right now i dare you to watch this movie and make it all the way through it. I dare you. Is this like Lost Highway? Because that's Holy like the one shit. David Lynch movie worse. where I was like, yeah, it's worse okay. than Eraserhead. It's worse than any other fucking David Lynch movie that, that you might consider unwatchable. Um, yeah. I mean, truly, it is just it, painful. And when you get uh, past the first act, you get in the second act, you get halfway through this bitch. Holy shit. Are you about ready to kill yourself? It just keeps going meaninglessly. I, mean, well, I can't, ex- lot, I can't explain it other gets than a lot of shit it. produced because of his name. And honestly, do you know what, who, as a writer, I think is just as inventive but actually has mm-hmm. a, a whole idea how to structure a script is Andrew Nichol, who did Truman Show, mm-hmm. In Time, Simone, who does these like really interesting kind of Gattaca-themed movies. Maybe, but, but those are more straightforward. tell them in a straightforward way. Yeah. I'm sorry? Uh, well, I was just saying those are more straightforward. So those are... Yeah, I, the Kaufman trick is that they aren't the Kaufman trick is that they aren't straightforward but they are you know I mean that's the trick and that's when he's work. that's when he's at his best and he does do that you know Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Um, I hate that movie you hate hate it but it is one of those ones um, you know as well as uh, uh, what a John Malkovich um, you know the adaptation adaptation there are all those movies that seem weird uh, on the surface but actually are not weird they aren't weird. They're not. They're normal fucking movies. They follow a three act um, thing. They're they're not. The they just look yeah. weird, but they're not. That's brilliant in my mind. I think that's pretty like fucking like wow. You can make something that people think is out there and crazy, and it's not. This movie is just out there and crazy. Is there any payoff to this is. in the end? No, I hate this movie. <laughs> I'm not it, it doesn't come together watch at all. this movie yeah. I dare you to watch this movie I no. didn't watch this to the end when it gets so fucking weird that you're just like what the fuck is the point of this like why are you doing this this was good 20 minutes into this movie it was good 30 minutes in it's no. dog shit I'm not no, kidding I'm good. I, I don't have this much free time in not life to watch kidding. bad Charlie Kaufman movies yeah don't watch this movie guys this is too uh, you know what the direction is 
stark and bleak, which is what kind of what the sense of the movie is. So it works. I'm not going to say, I don't know. Thematically, the movie is kind of all over the place and it's hard to pin. So I, I don't know, like blocking wise and, and, you know, framing, I, I don't know. I don't, it's all, it's just. When you talk about Bro, esoteric stuff, weird. like I think Wes Anderson's like that, but I find him a yes, lot more he works. Uh, accessible Again, works. in a lot more instances. Yeah, 100% yeah. works. This does not. This is just a bad movie. This is just a weird movie. I've seen plenty of these. Um, as I say, none come to mind, unfortunately. I, there's a lot of David Lynch stuff that's like this. Um, yeah, well, we named a few um, on there, like Lost Highway and Eraserhead. Lost Highway. I think Eraserhead's damn near unwatchable. You know, it really makes yeah. no sense. Um, you know, and the other side of that is the movie like Hardware, which is weird, but makes sense. Right, you know, Richard um, Stanley film. That's actually a good movie. Yeah, but but that's what I, I like mean. Like, movie. there are plenty of examples of these that work, and maybe. You know, if you're fucked up enough and you think like you can figure shit out just because I don't know, you can figure shit out. Maybe this might work for you. Um, I think there are plenty of people that watch David Lynch movies that do that. Um, And I don't know. Sometimes they have good arguments. Sometimes they don't. But my problem with these is that any argument is an argument like you shouldn't be able to do. You shouldn't make a movie where I can just make shit up, you know? And that's what it means. That's not like what the fuck is that? Well, it's to be debated in film classes for the end of time type shit. Well, that's this movie. Yeah. I wouldn't watch this movie. I would say this is a an exercise in madness, and um, I did not enjoy it. I don't think this has a, a particular thematic element that runs through it, other than the title, in which I'm thinking of ending things, which she repeats several times. Um, and we're never sure if she actually is the guy in which she is thinking of anything's with. So, you know, keep that in mind because that's as fucking dumb as this is. Let's talk about a movie that is absolutely acknowledged as a turkey, a bomb, a piece of shit. Bill and is currently streaming on <laughs> HBO Max. Well, that also HBO this Max. is an older film. Um, Collision Course. The night. Why are you talking? Don't, don't you dare call this a turkey. <laughs> this is a bomb. This How actually never you? came to theaters. Do you know that? Know, this was supposed to be in theaters. But it came to theaters let's overseas. Let, let, let's talk about how odd this movie is. From the jump, HBO has First this of all, have you seen, coming out in 1992. Did you see the, the, this came they, out in 1989. Uh, well, it was made in, in the late 80s. It came out in 92 here on VHS. No, it, it came yes. out in 89. It was shot in 87. No, 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 no. This came out in 92. I'm fairly sure this came out in the early 90s here in the States. I VHS. thought this came out in, in 89, and it was but this shot, definitely was a It was video shot store in the staple. late 80s. I'm, pr- I'm uh, fairly certain it was shot late 80s, came out because they ran out of money on this, right? Have you seen the Jay Leno? Um, when he uh, took over hosting for The Tonight Show for a moment, um, he had Pat Morita um God, Pat Morita. I can't speak. Morita. Thank you. He had him on, and they talked about this movie. And it's, a, it's super interesting. If you can find that on YouTube, it's it's an, it's an interesting little um, tidbit into this movie. But they ran out of money. Um, on the which last I don't day, even they actually, got key scenes being filmed. Yeah, and I don't even actually think that's apparent in this. Really, it's I such don't a either. shitty With, movie. I was like change. waiting you know for when Bob that Clark? happened, and I was like, wait, I don't see it. Like this seems complete to me. <laughs> Bob Clark was the original director, the guy who did Porky's and Christmas Story, and he was fired at some point, And Louis Teague came on who did a uh, jewel denial right. and I don't even think for a movie that changed directors, it's that evident a- at all. And 
I think what the real interesting thing here is that Pat Morita and Jay Leno are mm-hmm. basically two stand-up comedians. People think that that's Mr. Miyagi, but before that, he was on Happy Days, and he yep. was actually a stand-up comedian that went by the name The Hip Nip, which isn't very PC now, but that was kind of his whole shtick, was making fun of his uh, Asian heritage. However, when he came out as and got that Oscar nomination as Mr. Miyagi, it kind of changed his career. It'd almost be like if Ken Jung came out in like a serious role and got Oscar nominated, you know, as like a badass instructor, we'd be like, holy shit. Uh-huh. I mean, we wouldn't associate him as being a comedian, but that's really what he was. And him and Leno have they have chemistry in this movie. This is a turd from the jump. I mean, this is not going to win any this. Oscars. But Jay Leno sucks. I like the cast in this. Oh, Jay Leno's He's terrible. fine in this. He's not fine in this. Jay Leno is terrible. He's the weak spot in this. He is not a cop. Um, his voice is just the worst fucking thing. He's not a tough guy. He doesn't He's work He's not in a this. woman's man at all. He's trying to get he this girl's number I, in the beginning. Like, it's so that bad. Being said, yeah, that being said, the movie's not bad. Like, I don't actually have a problem with this movie. Other than the fact that it is uh, it, it is separated and kind of cut together. Like, it definitely doesn't play as a whole movie. It plays in parts. Like, let's it's be episodic, honest. It, yeah. it, it feels very disjointed, like, between here and there. And it's kind of sold to you as Jay Leno and Pat Morita as kind of like a rush hour type thing. It's not at all. Like it takes forever mm-hmm. for them to get together. Hey, I, um, I was they're not even in that, the yeah. movie half the, half the time. Like Ernie Hudson makes an appearance and, and suddenly he's like half like the star of the movie for like a couple scenes. You're like, why is this happening? <laughs> it's a weird movie, but I do. I did really enjoy this. And I, um, I mean, the thing about this, the thing for me when I, you know, it comes down to like Eddie Murphy, um, 80s type cop movies, things for, to a certain degree, the comedic thing. I want that score, that soundtrack, that the, the, just the drums, like the all that shit happen yeah. when people run and they, they go to do things. That's what I want as the score that plays during my life. <laughs> I want that. You like that's, that's me. Yeah. That's, that's when, whenever I'm driving and doing shit, that's, I'm thinking of that, you know, that's me. I'm, well, I'm It's funny you shit. say that because the song that plays in the opening credits, I actually went to IMDb and looked, it's called running, uh, looking for some action by the whispers. I went on Spotify to find the song and put it on a playlist. They have the whispers, but that song is currently <laughs> unavailable and I'm very upset. I oh. can't put that on my, my playlist for when I'm driving around and doing that very thing. just random like so I'm glad and shit. you val- validated that for me. It really is. It's it's a fun little... The cast in this movie is surprisingly good. like Beverly Hills I mean, uh, Cop type score, you know? Like, they just... Oh, uh, totally. Those things that are just... It's just noise, but it's like 80s... Um, <laughs> like, fake did, instrument did you noise? That- <laughs> The the guy I who dies it. in the beginning of the heart attack when they're pinning him up was the villain in Karate Kid Two. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that uh, Tom Noonan was the bad guy in the beginning of this, yeah. who is also in Last Action Hero? Randall Tex there Cobb. There are so many who, people, any good eighties movie. You got to have him in. Oh, are you kidding me? Watch this movie. People show up left and fucking right. Ernie I'm not fucking Hudson Poppy. Like, what are you doing in this movie? There are so many fucking people in this movie. It's bl- it's mind blowing to me. I was watching like, oh, shit. Like this guy's in this this for this second. Like this guy, this other guy. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, this Great is a casting crazy director. movie. Yeah, I thought yeah, this was a lot I, of fun. I thought it was fun, and after watching some of the things I watched this mm-hmm. week, um, it, it put a smile on my face. And diverse. And, and kind I'll of say a, it's diverse, you yeah. know, just to put that out there for people. Well, there's, it, there's white people, there's black people, there's Asian people all throughout yeah, the whole a lot movie. Of, uh, yeah, that's true. It is a very – uh, 
in, 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 inclusive movie, I would call yeah, it, especially this for the is 80s. the late especially 80s. For, for that genre. Yeah. This is why and I kind of... mean-spirited as some buddy cop movies are. You know, some buddy cop movies are really, you go back and look, they are kind of mean-spirited in what they're and saying to each other. Racist, this is a, uh, a little bit more... Yeah, but, but for the jokes, time, it's not nearly as bad. Yeah. I mean, I agree. The, the, there's some poking and prodding here, but in general, for me, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I saw nothing but inclusive casts. I saw nothing but diversity everywhere. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I watched a movie and the chief of police was a black guy. Yeah, it's true. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't under- really fully understand what is what happened between then and now. Um, but I can agree to some extent. And I think China has uh-huh, a little bit to do with this because uh, they're super racist, in case you didn't know. Uh, but of reducing, you know, the diversity in casts. Well, I, really I mean, do. I thought that the, the really the first uh, African-American star who I remember seeing and thinking like mm-hmm. and not even realizing that he was African-American because he was fucking cool. I just wanted to be him was Eddie Murphy in the Beverly oh, Hills sure. movies. And I remember thinking like I, I just didn't even think of like what color he just was so fucking cool. I just wanted to be just like him. I wanted the jacket. Oh, I wanted reminded me a lot shoes. of that. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, like, it, that's yeah. kind of a, you know, you didn't really, it, it reminds me of, like, when kids say, like, like, Hank Aaron was, like, their hero. They didn't, you know, they just wanted to be him, you know, you're a sports star or something. To me, it was, it was Eddie Murphy. He was just yeah. the coolest dude ever when I was a kid. And I agree. Uh, so I we didn't just want to be him. With that. So I don't know what happened. Um, something happened in the last Well, you go back and years. watch 48 um, Hours, though. That is an extremely harsh movie. They are not nice to each other at all in that movie for two fucking movies but and even to Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 it starts to get to back halfway through part 2 where they're starting to be nice to each other so that was always kind of the butting of the heads and they would they would pick on each other's ethnicity or like shortcomings yes. and then and they end true. up you know, kind of having this begrudging thing that I think was more to do with people up, uh, being able to handle that than people being um, you know than, than displaying something as people being super racist or mean well, they have a budget listed on this thing for thirteen million. But, and I find that hard to believe. When that you they fuck with your friends, million. you fuck with your friends, right? I mean, yeah, for I mean, real. You fuck like with you, them. like uh, that was something that we did um, back then. Uh, and again, something happened, uh, and I agree with it that I, we used to call people gay. And if you do that now, it kind of feels a little weird. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> but is, honestly, uh, it hits does. Your ear, like, you know, and so I'm not against yeah. change or any of that kind of stuff, you know, but um, certainly back in the day, it, it felt like we were more inclusive than we are today for some reason. And prove me wrong to some degree like- because I look at these movies and, well, like this movie here and I just see this cast of all these different races and things. And yes, they do uh, kind of jab at each other based on this. But it, none of it bothers me. It doesn't bother me that anyone is a certain race in any position in this movie. And even to some degree, like Jay Leno is not even really the main character of the movie many times. And so actually, Ernie weird. Hudson is actually a way more yes. viable. He should have been in the Jay Leno role, really. Actually, probably more He's likely. A stronger I agree presence. with that. Yeah. But that's, what they, that's what they fixed when they went to Rush Hour, right? Um, <laughs> that's true. Uh, true. I mean, for, for, true. for real, like it's just weird for me to watch older stuff and to, to see like, oh, like we did, like some things were we did were getting right, and other things like I kind of agree with the um, the complaints. You know, like certainly yeah. calling people gay is kind of like, uh, 
you know like i said yeah, I, right. I can understand certain things like yeah okay like i get it but to some degree it felt like we were getting along better as a as a society back in the 80s and 90s than we are today if that makes any sense that's kind of what i feel like when yeah. i watch old movies that's that's a pretty complicated uh, unpacking right there it <laughs> is but that's the way i feel anyways when i watch this you know it feels like we're getting along a little bit better all right, well, courting controversy and trying to stay too far away from it. Let's talk about Cuties, the movie that is mm. causing a bit of an uproar, causing a cancel I Netflix uh, movement, and I don't think it's going to be that strong. This is really a foreign well, film that Netflix lost picked $9 billion, up, right? Wasn't that the, <laughs> the, I mean, the oh, takeaway okay. on this? Yeah, okay, I know. <laughs> All they need is Tiger King 2, and everyone's hard, back on the board. I hardly so. think Cuties caused that. Yes, I agree. Um, um, you watched this or tried to attempt to watch it. I have no interest whatsoever. The subject matter makes me feel mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable to begin with. It's just not something I want to see. It reminds me of that movie we saw years ago called 13. Do you recall sure. that? I believe it was a Catherine Hardwick film. That in itself was uncomfortable, but at least it had some sort of artistic merit. And I thought in the end reminded me of the movie called uh, Kids from 1995, I mean, yes, the Larry Clark movie. Well, but I know. So I can go. I can watch uncomfortable movies about younger people, but this there's an just issue the though when matter. you make these types of movies. Yeah, and and that is that. Are you, <laughs> are you exploiting people or aren't you? You know, in order to get your point across, what shock value are you playing to? Um, and Larry Clark certainly does that, right? I mean, that's something right. that. I mean, I remember the Britney Spears music videos when they came out in the nineties. Do you remember that? And how insane that was? Yeah. They were overly sexualized young girls. Yeah. I remember that. About that. Yeah. Um, they, I remember, uh, not too long ago as well, Millie Bobby Brown putting out some Instagram, uh, photos and just hearing nonstop nonsense in the news about over sexualization. Who's doing this? Who's putting these constantly. And this, so this happens all the time. This isn't new. Um, to that extent, you know, I don't know. For the most part, when you, when people get to be teenagers, 15, 16, 17, I don't, you know, you're pushing a little bit of like maybe they should kind of be allowed to express themselves. Maybe how they feel. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of you're almost eight. You're almost an, what would be considered an adult. You're kind of starting to push these these boundaries and do these things. I don't know that that's such an issue when you're talking about 11 year olds, people who yeah, are yeah. just coming into puberty. Like you're literally talking about a coming of age story as a puberty coming of age story. Oh, I don't know. Things change for me, you know? And, um, the way the, so I, I didn't not make it far into this movie. I watched essentially the setup which was here you have a young girl raises a muslim very strict right um very uh you know just straight and like uh don't traditional I imagine. Knows, yeah. uh, traditional that's a good word for it yes and she's so okay fine that's the introduction and then she goes off and she hears this music and she goes and watches uh, and looks into this laundry room and there's this uh what you could only assume would be a very young girl dancing sexually, moving her butt around, like moving and doing all those things. And, uh, and she irons her hair, you know, and finally reveals her face as a very young girl. I had to turn it off at that point because watching this was like, this is, 
you know, when, like when I watch movies, I like to think about blocking, framing, um, what actors decide to do, what directors decide to do, who like what's going on in the movie. And I, I think like this is not like I would not. There's no way in shit that I would direct this or make this. It's so suggestive. And so and the way that uh, it's artistically built, the reveal of her face at the end. So you realize, oh, she's super young. It's like, oh, my God. Like, I could only imagine what's coming after this. So yeah. I had to turn it off. Um, and that's, that's not, not to good. say yeah. it's not good, but that's just me. I could, to some degree, understand people saying, well, you know, I, you know, it, it makes the point of over-sexualization, this and that. And it's like, okay, I get it. I, I don't think you should be canceling your Netflix over this. I don't think this should be banned. Um under the law and under, you know, just the social construct of all this stuff. I really don't think this is child pornography. Um, but you're, yeah, you're running right next to the line there. You know, it yeah. feels like for me, cause there's been plenty of times when I've watched, uh, younger girls dance and express themselves through their bodies as an art form. You know, you think of like gymnastics. Um, I think of plenty of times on America's got talent, which I used to watch where, where they would do these things and it wasn't sexual, still beautiful. So why yeah. does it have to be athletic, like, it's yeah. not, yeah, exactly. When you look at cheer teams or any of that kind of stuff, like very athletic and that kind of a thing. So there's no reason to make this sexual, right? Like, to me, when I see this, I think, God, this should not have been, and I've seen plenty of documentaries about this type of thing. This should not have been a narrative. This should have been a documentary. If this is such an issue for you, do you need to make a point about this? Make it a documentary. Because I've a seen great people point. have, uh, well, I saw recently someone posted on Facebook a little documentary thing about uh, 18-year-olds who went into porn. And they explained that when they were 12, 13, they were introduced to porn at a very young age. And so they, it, it like got in their heads and they just started thinking about right. it. And they were crazy about it by the time they got to 18 and think, wow, that's like a big deal. Like you would want to, and especially in the day of the internet and all this stuff and social media and all this, and I know this is built into the film as well, but it's just, it's different when it's a narrative. It's different when it's constructed by an adult telling young kids, Hey, reproduce this, do this, do it like this, do that, you know, directing kids rather than, Hey, this is what happens. You know what I mean? Right. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. It, it's, it's voyeuristic in a lot of yes. sense. Well, it's manipulative as opposed to being like kind of just uh, objective. And this is what's going on. Uh, it, it sounds like a movie that it, it, it viewed by the wrong audience could be very 100%. dangerous, you know, I mean, without to be, to be a doubt, this, you, so. the, just from what I saw was like, whoa, like, how could you like, I could not as far as and especially having heard all this bullshit about the male gaze and the Me Too type stuff. Not all that's bullshit, just so everyone realizes. But to some degree it is, you know, because, yes, that exists. Yes, there's sexiness in, in, in youth, you know, it, that just it is. Sorry. But um, <laughs> there's such a thing as actual like pedophilia, which is like. Like, these are prepubescent girls. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to normalize that. Like, at I can't all. even. Yeah. It's like, no. Like, why? I'm just at a well, loss. I, so here. I think it, as a documentary, it at least would have had some sort of validity. As a movie, it, it just probably feels exploitive, manipulative. And, and that's uh, exactly the I, don't, I have. 
I have no interest in watching this. I'm glad you bit the bullet and uh, and if this was a documentary, I would have understood thirty minutes. Yeah, I would have understood the the idea of watching it, um, irregardless of the uncomfortableness, um, to see the truth of what's actually happening. Being that it's not true, that it's a construct, that it's not real, it just feels like what's the difference? What's the difference between this and just what's the difference between cutting out? the um the parts that are anti you know sexual hypersexualization and just watching the sexualization parts i seriously like that's just i don't well that'll probably be a youtube video of this that are being oh, they already do because they already around all, yeah see what push, i mean like yeah. you have to not, not, not good. you can't even like look at twitter you can't look at a lot of this stuff because it's just yeah um oh my god well, there's a lot of articles being written about this this is a hot topic issue right now mm-hmm. so if you guys want you can read on it i'm well, sure would you, if you agree though about to cuties, some degree but, that you would you wouldn't ban this because I don't think this is no, necessarily it illegal. It doesn't deserve to be banned. I don't think it should be banned. I mean, but I do have a, a point. There's a point, and you shouldn't cancel your Netflix over this. I don't think that's worth it either. That's not. No, I agree. I don't think you should watch it. That's just it. Just do not watch it. Don't put yourself into this. You know, if this was a documentary, that's, I think it would be different. But yeah, don't. Uh, just don't watch it. I don't need that in my in my head. I've seen enough of these kind of shock value type movies, and I think some mm-hmm. of them have some sort of artistic merit. And I, I would bring up Kids and uh, Thirteen, and I could name a dozen like Gummo and other ones that I think don't those have any merit. Um, but yeah, they're just um, different though. They're really but different. This, than this. Uh, is is not going to be in my wheelhouse at, at all. And uh, but once again, I do think that Netflix should have it. I, I mean, if, they, if people want to watch it, you, you're you know you're every right to watch it. Yeah. But movies like this have always kind of skirted that line. You talk about Lolita from the fifties and right. then the remake. I mean, that was very controversial back in the days. So this has always What's been this a hot French- button. It's European. Uh, well, there they you have go. different I mean, values they, there, you know. and they really do. Yeah. So you want to get upset about this with your American values and stuff? I think that's fine. It's okay to speak out about this, but this idea that this is, you know, child pornography, I just think isn't. It's not really actually going to fly because I don't think it is. You know, as gross as it is, but, and I really have no interest in it, and that's fine. But i don't know just don't watch it then guys i don't know what to say about it because i don't think it's that there's plenty of other bad. shit to watch on netflix than this all right you could stream well this uh, has a 150 different shows I, I mean the one thing that i that we find interesting about this and it's something that i just you know i'm done with critics at this point is that the elitist attitude towards this and the the protectionist uh things that they say about this uh they have a uh, high merit for this but this is like this is like a what like five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, something super low. It's like a two point two out of ten on IMDb. Um, and I have to agree. Like, there's no you can't for the most part. When I've read the um, articles people write about this, they call it uncomfortable, and it is. It's not. I don't know how you would watch this and think oh this is fun this is meaningful <laughs> no like, it is super uncomfortable because it is meant to be what it, exactly what it sounds like it's meant to be like arousing like the these people are actually these kids are actually dancing like this well i mean the poster Ugh. itself got them in a lot of shit the pre-release poster that, that was like the beginning of the the social media uproar over people, this this exists um you know we do have cheerleading we do have um pageants and and beauty stuff here yeah Yeah. this stuff kind of exists here already 
Um, and again, and to some degree, most of that I'm fine with because it is, as you said earlier, athleticism. You know, it's it's something um, else. And the the human body's beautiful, and doesn't matter. Like if you want to express whatever with with your body and things, then that's fine. But there's a big difference between that and I don't know, gy- gyrating it, yeah. just doing like yeah, like certain things that are pretty obvious what you're trying to do. But don't take away those Britney Spears videos from the '90s, guy. No, those it. are great. I need those. We, we love those. Still we love those in my mind's time. eye. Um, yeah, well, we were the same age, so it was a, it was okay. Exactly, exactly. I got a buddy uh, who cracked. He was talking about this movie Cuties, and uh, and he he goes, oh, they're like fifteen year old girls in this movie. I mean, they're obviously 15? younger than that. And he goes, yeah, but I, I, I knew that they were younger than that. But he goes, they're like fifteen. He goes, I didn't even fucking like fifteen year old girls when I was fifteen. I don't want to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so I younger like than older that. Women. I, I understand. Yeah, it's uh, but it, the, uncomfortable is is probably the the appropriate word. Just for watch the, the first I, from an artistic perspective. Just watch the very first uh, dance in this movie where she's dancing. Mm. Whoever I don't know. Yeah. Who's, mm. It's really. I'd it's rather watch really weird. Again. Yeah, I mean, just the way <laughs> I, and the reveal in the end, the reveal of the young face and all this. It's just like it's so. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's just one of those things where you think, fuck, like someone plotted this out. Someone thought about this. They thought about shock value and what they would, they would do to show you an 11 year old dancing sexually that would unnerve you. <laughs> what? It's unnerving. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Well, that's available on Netflix along with Love Guaranteed, uh, Class Action Park, and what else would we talk about? And Collision Course is on HBO now. Bill and Ted's you can get streaming as well as Downhill and The Wretched all on Amazon and Apple TV. So everything that we've talked about on tonight's show, you can definitely get your hands on in the streaming world and uh, check it out. And we say stay away from Bill and Ted's Downhill oh. Love guarantee we give a slight pass to. Trevor says, stay away from, I'm thinking of ending things. We both emphatically tell you to go out and see Class Action Park. We say Collision Course still holds up pretty well. And uh, that actually is all the movies we talked about tonight. I think we have... We've seen some. We've seen a lot of stuff during quarantine. For having no real new movies given to us, we've done a good job of of watching uh, what's out there and available, I think. I'm ready for Hollywood to open back up, though. I really am. <laughs> no kidding. Right? Let me right? ask you this before we get off the I'm air. I'm running out of movies here, guys. Are, I'm running out of movies. What movie is it going to be that's going to get you back into a theater? Just out of curiosity. What, what movie is it going to be? No, I, I don't know because I'm not too super excited about anything at this point. And they pushed everything off. I don't even know when things are coming out. I don't even know when I'm going to yeah, be allowed in a theater. You know? <laughs> I think I, it I might no be until Top Gun 2, until I go to the movies. Well, and that might be that next July. That would be a good one. Yeah, I think that's going to be the one that really, as much as I'd like to see Tenet, um, you know, I'm, I live in the Bay Area. Right yeah. now, our theaters are still closed as of September 14th as we record this. And I don't think I'm going to get a chance to. And by the time I can, I don't think I'm really going to want to. I, that kind of, that, that ship sailed for me a little bit. I know, um, yeah. I know I, what you, I'm glad it's there, though. <laughs> I know what you mean about that. Yeah, I know. It does feel like something, there's kind of a buildup. And then if you miss it, you're kind of like, eh. <laughs> I missed it. I mean, I want to see Unhinged as bad as I want to see Tenant. Yes, I I know. I feel the same way. I I, I know exactly (laughs) what you mean. There's a buildup to where you really want to see something, and then it kind of it pops, and then if you weren't there, you're kind of like, well, I I missed it. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
And I haven't. I don't know anyone that's seen Tenet as well because obviously theaters are closed well, around Cruise. here. So, uh, well, you know that I think was his most impressive stunt was going to see that movie in a theater. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he should be all the those people are impossible. cured from COVID, by the way, just from being that breathing the same air as him. For sure, he he cured them. He got their mm-hmm. operating thetans off them. Did you see, by the way, his stunt for the next Mission Impossible? The space. Did you see thing? that clip? No, I didn't. No. Oh What's, my oh God. God! I'm going to leave you guys with God? this. If we have so they released an image of Tom Cruise standing on like this Norwegian countryside with these fucking massive cliff. And there's a ramp set up, and he's just standing there. It's a little person in this massive picture. Then they cut to video footage of a helicopter, and he's on a motorcycle, and Tom Cruise jumps off this fucking cliff into the abyss, and the motorcycle drops, and then he hits a parachute. This dude is trying to die on camera. I mean, when did he become Jackie Chan? It's unfucking believable what this guy's willing to put himself through. It, you gotta, you uh, gotta YouTube this clip. I'm gonna send you this clip. When we get off here. He did see Tenet in a crowded theater. So. He's already got the COVID. I, I he's, he's, he's trying to. Figure, oh, he's, he's defeated it. it. He can't be no sued chance. by 300 people in a theater. No chance. Oh yeah, they got the. They have the cure now. They got the antibodies yeah, just from breathing <laughs> the same air. <laughs> he's just injecting money right into his veins. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to wrap up episode 365. We want to thank you guys for joining us on this episode. As always, you can check out our back catalog on moviemavericks.com. You can check us out on YouTube. Check out the Movie Mavericks channel. We have a lot of good stuff on there. And on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iTunes, and all those good places you can get your podcast. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>